Hey, how's it going? My name is Leon and I'm one of the pastors here at HDBB. And my job is really looking at our digital platforms as well as content to see how you can better engage with us as well as the rest of the community, but most importantly, engage with God throughout the week. I wonder how have you been finding this season of remote work? You know, over the pandemic, we've changed the way we work. We're no, we're no longer going to the office, but we're spending most of that time working from home or maybe studying from home. Um, and I don't know about you, but I have found this pretty disruptive. You know, and I think that most of Malaysians have probably felt the same as well. Because an Ipsos poll showed that 63% have said that they found it really difficult to find work-life balance. Now, you top this off with the fact that globally, the working hours have increased an average of three hours. It's no wonder that languishing has become this kind of buzzword for the day. My daughter Isla was born just a month before we went into the first lockdown in March 2020. And, you know, I used to work in consulting and so I was used to working incredibly long hours at the office. And because of this, to be honest, I was kind of looking forward to this lockdown thing, you know? I thought, wow, we're new parents, I'm gonna be able to be at home, to be with my wife, Andrea, to support her, you know, as new parents, uh, but most importantly, to be able to see and witness our daughter growing up, to be there for every step of the way. But what I expected to be this sort of extended paternal leave, it turned out to be one of the most stressful uh, one of the most intense periods of my career. You see, without the natural boundaries that were created from your daily commute to work, work life and home life just became this really strange kind of blur, you know, and physically, I found that physically I was present, but mentally I was absent. It got really bad because you know, there, were, there would be a few times where I'd be changing a diaper and while I'm mid-diaper change, I'd be trying to look over to see what the email was saying on my computer. And, you know, to be honest, I, I probably deserve this, but that may or may not have led to one or two uh, smelly accidents after. So, not very good. I wonder if you have maybe felt like you've been in a sort of overdrive over the last year and a half. Or maybe on the flip side, you're kind of sitting there thinking, well, everyone else is talking about burnout. Maybe I'm not doing enough. Well, today I want to talk about this idea of choosing fruitfulness over busyness. And now this is not what you think. It's not the sort of like, you know, work smart, don't work hard kind of talk. Because truth be told, in order to be fruitful, you still need to put in the work. But the key distinguishing factor here is that Fruitfulness focuses on the impact of our work and not the sheer amount of work in itself. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more today uh, in our passage, which is in Luke 6. But before I do that, let's, let, let's look at a bit of context here. Um, what we are seeing is really Jesus having finished doing a bunch of really countercultural things. And I say countercultural because, you know, these were good things, but there were maybe little technicalities around which some of the naysayers were nitpicking on. And there were things like healing people on a Sabbath. And a Sabbath was a day of rest, and Jesus was out there doing work. And so essentially, the Pharisees and these other naysayers were coming out saying, why are you doing work on a day of rest? 
Well, what follows is Jesus continues doing this great work, uh, rebutting his critics in the process. Uh, but what is really interesting is he then goes away to a mountainside to pray, to spend an entire night praying to God before the next day uh, delivering one of his mammoth sermons. And that is where we get our passage for today. Our passage for today is Luke 6, verse 43 to 45. And it reads, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Personally, I don't think I've seen the word fruit repeated so many times in just a few sentences. <laughs> but what Jesus is making really clear here is that we're supposed to be fruitful. Notice he doesn't say that good trees have nice branches. You know, like you pick a twig and you go, oh, good scent, good color, Ooh, great texture. It's not like that. You know, we look at the fruit. But how do we prime ourselves to be fruitful? Well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to start with the heart. Verse 44 says that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. What's in our heart overflows into the things that we do. Our inner lives are like trees that need tending. But just as trees are nourished by the sun, nourished by the water, we get our nourishment from God. We don't will ourselves, as trees don't will themselves uh, into flourishing. They, are, they flourish through the nourishment. And so in that same way, we need to draw nourishment from God. And how do we do that? Well, there are, there are so many ways that we can do this. First, we can, we can do so by reading His Word. We can get nourishment by listening to, to worship music. And HTBB, we've got a great playlist uh, that you can follow if you want to kind of kickstart that. Um, or by praying, or just simply taking time to listen to what God might be wanting to say to you today. A few months ago, Miles preached uh, an excellent sermon uh, on the topic of pattern break. And something that really stood out to me was this idea of, of posture over practice. If you spend any amount of time trying to get really good at something, then you will realize that as you do so, you begin to develop ways to become more effective or more efficient. You weed out what works, you know, you weed out what doesn't work, and you focus on what works. And if you're a bit of a productivity geek, then you, you would know that that feeling is incredible. And, and after all, why not? Because, you know, we are expected to bring um, effectiveness and efficiency into the things that we do. But you see, sometimes when our practice becomes so dialed in, it becomes easy to go into this sort of autopilot mode of process that's devoid of purpose. In the same way, before we think about what we need to do, God wants us to take a step back and think about who we need to be in order to do what we need to do, in order to bear good fruit. There's an old but gold line 
that says that we are human beings and not human doings. Our being directly impacts our doing. But the great news is, half the work's done already through Jesus dying for us on the cross. You know, because of Jesus' death, we are now co-heirs to God's throne, filled with His Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, verse 12 says that God gave us the right to be children of God. This is amazing, you know, because our being honestly couldn't be attached or couldn't be uh, fixed to a more perfect model than Jesus. But the thing is, we need to cultivate that. We need to cultivate that regularly to keep drawing nourishment from the very source, you know, to abide in God's presence through prayer, worship, and reading His Word. The adage says, two steps forward, one step back. But often with God, it is one step back and two steps forward. God multiplies the time that we invest in seeking Him and allowing Him to develop our inner being. And as we do that, what we find is that the fruit that we produce, we, we don't have to try so hard anymore because that just becomes then a natural overflow of the power that God is already releasing through us. We choose fruitfulness over busyness when we abide in Jesus and allow Him to work through us. So before tackling your to-dos for today, or maybe making that big decision, Maybe spend a bit of time tending to yourself and consulting with God first. Once we've done that, once we start to think about the action, then what we need to do is then prioritize what produces fruit. It's better to do some things that lead to some fruit than try to do everything, burn out, and end up with no fruit. When we're focused on the fruit of our work, not only will we be better to know, you know, better at knowing where to sow our efforts, but there'll also be a sense of excitement, a sense of anticipation of the harvest that's to come. Rory Vaden coined this idea or this notion of procrastinating on purpose. And now you might be thinking, procrastinate on purpose? That sounds like you're just asking me to be lazy. That, that can't be good. Uh, but, you know, he, he explores this a bit further. In fact, he wrote a whole book about this. And his thesis is basically, in his words, that success is no longer related to the volume of tasks you complete, but rather the significance of them. So no, this is not a call to be lazy, far from it. You know, it's really about weighing up what we can do today that would make the biggest impact or difference tomorrow. And the passage for today, it gives us, it gives us a huge clue on how to do that. Because if we look at the Greek word, and now there are many different words that are used in the Greek language, but the specific Greek word used uh, in this passage for good is kalos. And, and this is a very specific word of good in a sense of nourishment or edibility. You see, a tree doesn't just bear fruit for its own sake. The fruit that comes out is supposed to provide nourishment and sustenance to those who eat the fruit. 
In other words, in order for us to create a real impact, we need to be able to ensure that the fruit that we produce either serves or grows the people around us. We see many examples in the Bible of Jesus doing this, of hitting some amazing stride, hitting some incredible momentum, and then when you least expect it, breaking that momentum to disappear somewhere to pray. From a storytelling perspective, some of us might say that that's perhaps a little bit anticlimactic. You know, why would you break such incredible momentum uh, to spend so much time praying? Surely that is counterproductive to bearing fruit. But rather than losing momentum, what we see is actually Jesus, by retreating, was setting up for a result. And in this case, what we see the very next morning is that Jesus appoints his 12 apostles. And it's the same for us. You know, when we retreat to invest time in God, uh, or maybe when we retreat to invest time in a teammate, that becomes the setup for a greater result in the long term. And I love this because this is perhaps one of the most important examples of, of delegation because what we see happen is that after Jesus spends this night praying, he then gets up the next morning to appoint his 12 apostles. And these 12 apostles, uh, they, they were responsible for essentially laying the foundation uh, to make things possible, to make it possible for you and I, for the whole world, to come to know and to worship Jesus. Jesus invested his time in his relationship with God the Father, which informed how he would invest in his disciples. Investing time to build another member of your team is a great way to choose fruitfulness over busyness. You know, because yeah, of course you might sacrifice a little bit of efficiency initially, um, but as we spend that time, as we sacrifice maybe a bit of that time that we could have been spending doing the task on our own, because let's be honest, it's always faster to do things on your own. But as we invest that time to build our teammates, what we often find happen is that they start to become better, maybe become better than us even. And in the long run, that actually speeds up the entire process in your organization. So take a look at your tasks and your goals today and ask, well, which of these can I prioritize that would bear the most fruit in order to nourish, grow, and serve the people around me, whether at home, school, or at work? And while we're doing that, something that I always try to encourage or remind myself of is to be yourself. Social media, it has been one of the greatest things of our age. You know, especially during the pandemic, it's what has kept us connected throughout this string of lockdowns. It's given us games to play. It's given us dance templates on TikTok to follow. And if you're like me, it's also kept us up to date on all the latest SOPs because let's be honest, uh, most of the SOPs come out faster on some of these social media channels than on our mainstream media. But on the other hand, it can also be an avenue for unhealthy comparison. And comparison clouds calling. Hustle culture, or as some people have started to call it, toxic productivity, has become a thing over the last four years. 
thanks to the rise of the YouTube entrepreneur. Uh, and to be honest, you know, I was all about that life too. You know, I would work 6 a.m. and always make sure for some reason I, I would always do that. And then I just had to make sure that there was some form of documentation of this, this feat of hard work. It was kind of like a medal of honor, you know, to be able to work at 6 a.m. and take a little video of me closing down the laptop to say, I have done my work. I have earned my salary for the week. Now, some of the principles behind hustle culture, if we were to dissect them, of course, there are some good things in there. You know, there's this sense of adventure, of being faithful with what you have, and then kind of taking this leap of faith to, to go out and, and have this adventure. And, you know, following Jesus is, is very much like that as well. So, of course, there's a little bit of appeal there. But the danger of wanting to keep up appearances is when we begin to elevate the hard work or, or the busyness and not the fruit that it produces. If we get so caught up in showing the grind, what happens is that our message to the world is, look at how much I've done, instead of look at the difference that I have made or look at the difference that Jesus has made through me. Have you maybe found yourself thinking, well, gosh, I'm not posting or showcasing how hard I'm working. You know, is my boss going to notice that? Am I going to be in good standing to ask for that promotion or for that raise? Or maybe you're a parent and you found yourself kind of second-guessing your parenting approach because you've been comparing yourself with what other parents on social media are doing. And maybe you're just thinking to yourself, well, I don't appear to be doing half as much as they are. Does that make me a bad parent? Well, our passage for today says that each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. So just because the fruit that we produce might look different to the fruit of our, the person next to us, doesn't mean that that isn't good fruit. And that doesn't mean that that fruit can't be used to serve or to nourish someone else. I serve as one of the worship leaders here at HDBB. And, you know, to be honest, sometimes I ask myself, gosh, you know, I wish I could sing like Stu. And, well, to be honest, maybe your ears, some of you might be wishing that I could sing like Stu as well. But the point is that God is able to use the imperfect to bring about His perfect will. Now, my daughter, she loves fruit. Like, like she really, really loves fruit. But the thing is, she goes through phases, right? So just when we think we've cracked it, oh, you know, she really likes pears. Next week, she doesn't like pears anymore. She wants apples, you know? And then the following week, it becomes durian. Yeah, yeah, she loves, she loves durian. And then it goes back to pears again. And the thing is, it's very interesting to note that, you know, her reaction when she's gotten bored of something is very obvious. She, she will sit there and she will just open her mouth and like this food would just come crumbling out of her mouth. She spits out what she gets bored of. In the same way, the world needs variety. You know, and God has designed all of us in a unique way for a unique purpose. This means that we can focus our attention on what helps us to move in the direction of what we're naturally gifted in without needing to force fit, you know, force fit other agendas or force fit other goals into our lives. But bearing fruit is not a one-off thing. It's not something that we just tick off the bucket list and we're done with it. 
bearing fruit is a long game, so it needs to be sustained. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by guarding our thoughts. And why do I say guarding your thoughts? Well, because as we're in this process of this long game, it's easy then to start to maybe become a bit jaded. Maybe you're going through a longer process and you're not seeing the results immediately. And in that time, it can be easy to start thinking, okay, maybe this isn't working. But you can be on the right track and still have these negative thoughts, which is why it's so important to guard them. You know, Jesus says in verse 45 that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I used to work in advertising and in the advertising fraternity, we often say that there's no amount of advertising that can save a bad product or a bad service. Of course, there are strategies that we can employ to get people's attention or we could maybe even get you to buy the product. But if the product doesn't work, then all you're left with is false advertising. As much as we can put on a show of doing the right things, what is in our hearts eventually manifests in our actions. You know, and we get an idea of what's in our hearts based on our thoughts. A few weeks ago, we ran a devotion series called Building Your Inner Life. And in day two, Siu Ching, uh, she talked about the topic of thoughts. And in her devotion, I loved this, she shared three R's to help us to practically realign our thought process. And the first thing is to recognize where the unhelpful thoughts are or maybe the lies are that have been holding back. Then we need to realign by bringing those thoughts to God in prayer and then asking God to replace those thoughts with truth. Maybe for some of you, these thought patterns are so hardwired that you can't actually imagine being able to truly replace those thoughts or let, let alone be freed from them. That's completely understandable. I personally struggle with negative thoughts daily as well. But that brings us to our final point, and that's to choose God's power over willpower. So we've centered our identity and being on Jesus by spending time with Him. Uh, we've also mapped out what to prioritize, what would bear good fruit for those around you. We've also got a sense of how to carry out those things in a sustainable manner by guarding our thoughts. What's left is to show up and take action. But you know, if we're reliant on our own strength, of course this can sound daunting. And even if it doesn't, eventually, our willpower is going to run out and we will end up falling short or we can end up falling short. The good news is that in all of this, we are not expected to do this alone. I love this imagery that American author and theologian Peter Lightheart uses and he describes Jesus as this kind of model of, of a perfect tree. But what's really interesting is that he, he outlines this kind of journey of Jesus being the perfect tree that becomes the withered tree. But then, you know, in that, in that process of being in the tomb, he then describes Jesus as like a seed germinating in the earth before springing out into a new tree, a tree of life. In his words, he describes it as bursting through the earth to bear much fruit. Jesus 
the barren tree springs from the tomb as Jesus, the tree of life. You may be feeling a little withered yourself, and I don't blame you. It's been such a long time in this pandemic. It's not been easy. But if that's you, be encouraged, because just as Jesus was able to bring something dead into life, Jesus is able to take you along with him to restore you and to renew you in order that you might produce amazing fruit. The Holy Spirit not only informs us where we can be fruitful, but he also gives us the power to be able to carry out the work, even if we feel that we have nothing left to give. Again, a tree doesn't will itself to flourish. It draws nutrients from the sun. It draws nutrients from the water. And so in the same way, our willpower can only get us so far. It's Jesus that brings that added transformation. It's Jesus that's able to restore you or to renew you when you're down. And it's Jesus that's able to help you to transform not only your life, but to bear fruit that would transform the lives of your colleagues, the lives of your housemates, the lives of your schoolmates, and the lives of your family. Amen. Let's pray together. Come Holy Spirit.